welcome to Hollywood United Methodist Church. We're so glad that you're both here in our sanctuary and worshiping with us online. All are welcome in this house. We are glad you are here. This morning we have a special treat. We will be hearing our message today from Pastor Mark Stevenson of Harmony Toluca Lake, our sister campus right over the hill. He's going to be continuing our powerful sermon series on what would Jesus say. Um, so we're very glad to have him here. Join me in welcoming him. And in turn, our own Rev. Kathy is at Harmony Toluca Lake this morning delivering a message there, so it's very exciting. We're so glad you're here. We invite you to worship, to let the Spirit enter in and transform and change and lift who you are. Welcome to church.
Good morning. April Olt here, Children's Ministries Coordinator. I am excited to be here with all of you today, whether joining virtually or in person. What I would like you to do right now is take a moment and close your eyes. I see you. Your eyes aren't closed. Close your eyes. Take a deep breath. And I want you to think about your day. How did you spend your day? It could be earlier today or yesterday. How did you spend your day and who did you spend your day with? All right, now go ahead and open your eyes and I'm gonna do a countdown. And when I get to one, I want you to shout out who or how or what activity popped into your head when I asked that question. Here we go. Three, two, one, go. All right, thank you so much for sharing. This Sunday starts our Children's Church series on the Ten Commandments. The first commandment states, I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So let's go back to that activity that we thought of and shout it out. How are ways that we can incorporate God into this activity? Including God is fun. And this is all about finding the fun in God and including God in all that we do. So as we think about our friendships, our relationships, our activities, how can we involve God? How can we bring God into the activity? That's your challenge for this week. And one of the ways that we can do that is through our relationships, our friendships, giving back to people. And another way that we can do that is through the power of prayer. So let's take a moment right now and join in prayer. Dearest Lord, thank you so much for helping us to find the fun and find the God in all that we do. We give this back to you and thank you for our talents and gifts and friends and relationships that you give back to us. And all God's children said, amen. And now I welcome all of you to share the peace with your friends and those all around you. appreciate it. Up to you in the balcony. I invite you now to center yourself and prepare for a time of prayer as we receive our choral offering introducing us to our prayer moment.
Let us pray. Holy Spirit, comfort us. Surround us with your presence. Lift grief, the everyday kind and sometimes the enormous kind, from the hearts of those who mourn. Worry from those who are uncertain or anxious. Spirit, grant hope to those who long to see a new tomorrow. We invite you now to amplify our joy and let it shine and fill each corner of our community. Dear God, during this time of epiphany, let the joyful truth of your son, of new beginnings and new hope, heal the broken and hurting places inside of us and all around us. Open our hearts and minds so that we will be open to the wisdom that you are constantly revealing. Spirit, give us the courage to examine our inner selves deeply, to acknowledge the places where we want to change, but perhaps fear it, where we long to change. Show us the path forward and help us to do the work that brings forward understanding, a work that changes not only ourselves, but our community. God, give us the courage and strength that is needed to do the work. This morning, dear God, especially, we lift up the members of our community in need of healing. We pray for Ruth and Tom and Sarah and Angela. We pray for all those affected by and inflicted with the coronavirus. We pray for our church. We pray that you will pour your spirit over it and embolden and strengthen our ministries. We pray for our youth and their vibrancy, and we are grateful for their wonderful ideas. And we thank you for our elders who provide wisdom and guidance. May we be truly blessed with the joy of intergenerational relationship and ministry. And dear God, we thank you for the hearts that love. And we invite you to help us turn that love into action as we are called into the world to do your work. We know that all these things are made possible with your spirit and your unending love, your forgiveness, your guidance, your, your solidarity in moments of difficulty, the way you show the path when we are lost, the way you never give up on us, ever leave us, never turn away, the way you always call us home. This love that was made flesh with the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who lived amongst us, loved us, taught us how to love and taught us how to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning again. So glad to see you here. I am Pastor Brighty, and I have some announcements about the many things that are occurring in the life of our church. This Thursday, Pastor Mark will begin a Bible study on Psalms, February 3rd, on Zoom. 
If you would like to join, you just need to send him an email to sign up. It's going to be an amazing class. A lot of people have already signed up, so it's going to be a great opportunity on Zoom to meet folks from both our campus and from the Toluca Lake campus. So please join. Pastor Mark is an exemplary Bible study teacher. Um, I feel like I learn a lot when I'm with him, and I think that you'll enjoy it. And frankly, we all need a little psalms right now. They have a lot of poetry that can help us through these dark days. We have a brand new membership class beginning on the 9th of February. And so if you are thinking about joining the church, if you want to be a member um, in presence or virtually, you can reach out to Reverend Kathy to register. Once again, that begins on the 9th. And I'm really excited to share an invitation with you. On February 15th, we're going to be holding a Zoom gathering called Love Your Neighbor. And we're going to be exploring um, all kinds of ideas. We're going to be brainstorming together how we revitalize our ministry with our homeless and houseless neighbors in our community, how we engage in direct service with people who are going through that struggle and how it impacts our lives, but also how we move beyond direct service, how we take the power and joy and love that the church has to bring and put it into the public space to begin advocating for real change at the legislative level um, to see real change in our community. So we don't have the plan yet. We need you for the plan, right? The plan doesn't just come from us. It comes from all of us together. So if you want to come, come join that Zoom. We're going to have some special guests. I understand a bunch of the youth group have signed up, which is really exciting. We'd love to have you there. You don't have to be an expert in anything. You just have to have a heart that's hungry to serve. And so we hope that you will join us 7 p.m. February 15th. Love your neighbor on Zoom. And lastly, definitely not on Zoom. On church, a Sunday, the 27th of February, we will be having our Soul Food Sunday worship service and soul food celebration afterwards. You can watch the news afterwards and make reservations for lunch. There's a small fee. You could also sponsor a meal for a neighbor who might not be able to provide that fee. We hope that you will join us and you can take it to go or we'll have a nice setup in the, um, uh, the gym, you know, COVID providing, like things are going well, where we're distanced and safe so we can break bread together and really celebrate a wonderful music of, or a wonderful morning of worship, music, and food. And lastly, um, I want to share with you, I think what you already know, that all the things that we do here, all these ministries, um, this time through our pandemic, and our hundred years here in Hollywood is made possible by the faithful giving that comes from you. We invite you to give as generously as you are able to the ministries of this church so that we can continue to build boldly into God's vision of welcome, love, and joy in our community, being a church that is present here in the lives of our neighbors and our community. You can give online, you can give in the basket outside, you can send something to the office, you can send us an email. Whatever you give, give from the heart and know that it will go to the work of Christ in the world to bring peace, love, and justice. Amen.
a reading from Ephesians chapter 4, 12 through 16. Equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceit, in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. Here's what the Spirit is saying to God's people. So good morning. It's good to see everyone today. I want to thank uh, Bella for reading today's centering scripture passage and also much appreciation to John West and the Chancel Choir, to Bridie Roberts, and to our fabulous production team and greeting team members, and to all who have come together to make this worship service happen as we give praise to God. Amen? Amen. Thank you. just want to say thank you. All right, so Hollywood Faith Community, as I prepare today's message for you in What Would Jesus Say, this sermon series, which concludes this morning, well, there's plenty to reflect upon as the topic for which we're going to focus today is considered by many to be controversial, very controversial. Nonetheless, just because it's controversial, does it mean that we should close our eyes and our ears and turn away from it. What do the people say? No, we don't need to turn away from controversial topics, do we? Jesus would tell us to confront this, to deal with this. So the specific question before us this morning is, what would Jesus say about critical race theory? And as I dive into this topic and question, I want to also mention that there, in my reflection, there was this quote uh, from Dr. Martin Luther King, and it, it came my way, and I feel it apt. And it's not only for appreciation in my own life, but for all of us, individually and collectively, and as a society, and as a body of Christ, Meaning, that's meaning we as Christians. And so here is the quote that you will see. Cowardice asks the question, is it safe? Expediency asks the question, is it politic? Vanity asks the question, is it popular? But conscience asks the question, is it right? And there comes a time when one must take a position that is neither safe, nor politic, nor popular, but he must take it because it is right. Recently, um, a fifth grade teacher from Iowa City, uh, Melanie Hester, was featured in an article and she was teaching uh, in her classroom. And this particular lesson plan was focused on Native Americans. 
And so she asked her students how they could honor the land upon which they live and the cultural history of the land which the United States now stands. And when they asked, where are the Native Americans now? She didn't know how to respond. So she ducked the question. Now, why in the world did she skip over this question? Well, you see, as is happening across the country, such as in Iowa, new laws targeting critical race theory are influencing the small but pivotal decisions educators like Hester have to make every day. How to answer a student's question? What articles can they read as a class? How to prepare a lesson? And what we are witnessing, friends, is a passionate debate over critical race theory, and the acronym is CRT, and it is being played out in TV studios, school board meetings, and uh, state legislatures. In fact, I'm gonna give you this idea that there are 27 states, 27 states from Tennessee to Idaho that have made efforts to restrict teaching on racism and related topics through legislation or other statewide measures. Goodness gracious, why? Why is this in an uproar? What's going on? Well, critics have argued that CRT is a divisive ideology, that it smells, it reeks of Marxism. It's a culture war issue that it teaches black and brown children to see themselves as hopelessly oppressed victims, that CRT, oh my goodness, it admonishes all white people as being oppressors, and that critical race theory is fundamentally at odds with Christian faith. And in fact, religious voices have been among the loudest for CRT to be stopped. Given this, all right, given this, what is critical race theory? What is this theory unnerve some Christians something fierce? What can be done to help Christians to stop talking past each other when it comes to addressing the reality of racial injustice? And what would Jesus have to say about CRT? All right, well, let's start off with what is critical race theory? Well, simply put, critical race theory states that U.S. institutions, social institutions, like uh, examples of uh, criminal justice system, the education system, the labor market, the housing market, the healthcare system, that these systems are laced with racism embedded in laws and regulations and rules and procedures that lead to differential outcomes by race. What the theory is doing is it's framing it structurally rather than it being expressed as personal discrimination. As the Reverend Serene Jones, and she's the president of the Union Theological Seminary, uh, she stated this, at its core, CRT simply, all it does is it calls upon us to acknowledge the realities and horrors of slavery and its lingering impacts on our nation. It demands that we take a look at ourselves and our nation honestly and try to learn from past wrongs. That 
this doesn't just uphold God's call for truth. It's also a core message of our most sacred text, the Bible. That structural framing tells us that as Christians, there is systemic sin in society, that there is partiality. Yet, what does biblical scripture tell us about God? That God doesn't show partiality, right? So what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do as followers of Jesus Christ? Well, we're, su we're supposed to imitate Christ, but are we actually doing that? It seems like our imitation isn't very Christ-like. Like when it came to the colonization of the Americas, what happened? Man-made racial systems were established combined with the sin of partiality. Now, I've used this past example for you, but I'm going to give you a current example of the sin of partiality to help all of us. Tanisha Tate Austin, I don't know if you've heard this story, but Tanisha Tate Austin and her husband, they became suspicious when their Northern California home, well, it had been renovated, and what they wanted was to have it valued by an appraiser. Well, the appraisal came in far lower than they expected it to. So that unnerved them. And what they decided to do was, hey, let's get a second opinion. Let's get a second opinion and find out more about this. But this time, what they did was they asked a white friend of theirs to pretend that he owned the home. And what they did then is they removed all art, all photographs, that would even give a hint that a black family lived in this home. So what do you think happened upon the second appraisal? It went up. But how much do you think it went up? Would you believe half a million dollars? That is how much it went up. And now the couple has filed a lawsuit in federal court arguing that racial discrimination played a role in the low valuation of their home. So I wanna build off of this. The evangelical majority sees social problems such as racism as the sin of, uh, the result of sinful individuals. Now get that, result of sinful individuals, not larger structures, not institutions. And the case in point is in the 2021 Southern Baptist Convention, there was a resolution that was passed that any theory, I'm emphasizing any theory, that frames racism in any way other than it being a sin to be resolved by the redemption through Christ. Now, what's the problem with this? Well, denying the existence of structural racism takes away the opportunity to assess its presence in education and housing, the legal system and religion. It also makes it harder to conceptualize new, more equitable policies. In essence, what this stance does is it takes a colorblind approach to racism in which people claim to not see race. And unwittingly, unwittingly, what they may be doing is reinforcing racism because it's not being acknowledged. For many Americans, many Americans, a focus on institutional structures and foundations is difficult. 
Why? Because it doesn't sit well alongside their individual identity from the social institutions that govern us, from their American individualism. Thus, they perceive themselves as the system. Thus, when the institution is being called racist, they are interpreting this personally that they are being called racist. And just imagine when the institution of the church is being called racist. How do you think that's being taken? Hmm? Faith community, let's remember this. Let's remember this. That the Bible speaks about collective sin. The Bible does talk about this, about communities and societies that have been mired in sin, institutions and structures. The prophets are repeatedly, repeatedly reminding the Hebrew people that as a people, as a people they have been called and as a people they will be redeemed. In the New Testament, Believers are admonished that the whole world, the whole world is at stake in God's redeeming work, not just an individual's heart. The good news about collective and individual sin and institutional sin is that in, like individual sin, it can be redeemed by acknowledging systemic sin and working to change unjust structures, faith community with the aid of tools like critical race theory, we realign ourselves to do God's work in the world. And is that not good news, amen? Any, and it's, I wanna tell you another thing that I've learned as I was researching critical race theory is that it is important, it is important for all of us to openly listen to and receive the counter stories of marginalized people. Here's where we have the opportunity to learn from and be centered in communicated life experiences. Now, counter storytelling isn't something that's new for Christians. All we have to do is crack open the Bible, look in the New Testament, and right there is the recorded healings during Jesus' ministry such as the healing man, uh, healing the man with the diseased hand. He, uh, there was the man who was paralyzed. There was the blind man. We've got women and children who were healed. And when we receive written and verbal stories by marginalized people, here's where we begin a process. It's a process of correction in our beliefs. And these shared narratives, what they do is they call attention to neglected evidence while reminding us of our common humanity. Jesus would tell us that critical race theory recognizes the importance of listening to others' lived experiences. Jesus would tell us that critical race theory recognizes the existence and evil of oppression and the existence and abuse of ruling dominant power. Jesus would tell us as followers, we must always strive, always strive for truth and honesty. And as we heard in the scripture reading today from Ephesians, by speaking the truth with love, let's grow in every way into Christ who is the head. We need to be cognizant though, as Christian activist and author Shane Claiborne reminds us, 
that there are a lot of people speaking the truth with no love and there are a lot of people talking about love without much truth. Friends, we would be wise to incorporate into our lives the strengthening guidance and advice that Paul wrote in his letter to the Ephesians. He was prophetic. Paul was being prophetic in those words. And what he wanted to do is he wanted to build up the church, build up the church in its identity and mission. And he's calling upon each of us, every one of us, to build up the body in Christ in everything, all that we do. This is a body seeking to be unified that is organic and dynamic, not static and rigid. It is one in which our hearts and minds must be open. Paul is focusing on the equipping the saints for ministry, and that equipping is to reconcile. That equipping is to restore and to create and to prepare. And we as the Christian faith community are to grow in ministry, which means we are to align ourselves with God's intentions, both individually and corporately. We are to build up the body of Christ until we all reach the unity of faith and the knowledge of God's Son. The love of which Paul addresses is one in which we are to bear for one another and with one another. We are to live as a people worthy of the call that you received from God. Conduct yourselves with all humility, gentleness, and patience. Humility, what does it do? It keeps us grounded. It keeps us grounded in the reality of who we are as creatures who were formed by dust by God and in God's image. Gentleness reminds us of what? It reminds us of our corporate identity because we are essentially part of the body and we have been called to build up the body. And that's by attending to one another. And finally, we are to be patient. Why? Because we are to be patient because we live in time. As Christians, as Christians, we are compelled to confront the horrors of the past so that we repent and that we chart a path forward for a better tomorrow. We need to be helping our nation onto a path for healing. We should give spaces of grace, spaces of grace for people to voice their concern that the hurt and trauma that they've experienced, it should be shared with us. And we want them to be heard and seen and loved, not only by God, but by all of God's people. And those spaces must also be found and created in the church in the church as a means of embodying the one another's that have been found throughout the New Testament. So I'm going to bring this morning's message to a close. Jesus would say, engage in critical race theory. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to enter into this conversation because it's relevant and it's not only relevant, it's relevant to who we are. It's relevant to how we live and to do so. It doesn't mean that we're compromising Christianity. It doesn't mean that we're reducing the finished work of Christ. And to acknowledge 
there are claims in this methodology that will actually move us forward, even more forward into living into the Great Commission. Friends, there's work to be done. <laughs> there is work to be done. And it takes all of us, all of us, to come to the table. Come to the table. That's leaders, that's clergy, that's lay people, that's blacks and whites, every ethnicity. You, because we've got to acknowledge that this conversation, this conversation is important. We need to have this dialogue because racism does exist. And friends, it takes humility, gentleness, and patience. Asking questions, being inquisitive, forgiving and being forgiven and extending grace and receiving grace. May it be so. Amen. thank everyone again for being here, connecting both in person as well as online. What a blessing to see all of you. Uh, there is a, another verse in this song that John and the choir has led us in with. It's called the summons. And I want to read this last verse as a benediction that, Lord, your summons echoes true when, and I'll say, we call your name. Let us turn and follow you and never be the same. In your company, we will go where your love and footsteps show. Then we'll move and live and grow in you and you in us. Amen, amen. Go out in peace.